This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to spend your crypto in Latin America. Purchase gift cards or mobile refills from more than 3,500 brands in 186 countries instantly, safely, and privately. Visit bitrefill.com for more information. Welcome back to another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. My guest today is Ben Moore. He's an American who runs an online marketing agency called Elevate. He knows, you know, a fair amount of the other guys. He knows Jake, he knows some other guys. I've I've met Ben personally and spent a fair amount of time hanging out with him in Mazatlan, Mexico. And uh happy to to finally get him on a podcast so ben welcome what's up man excited to be on excited to chat and uh talk about some of this latin am lifestyle stuff <laughs> have you been dreaming of this moment <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm i'm i've just been thinking about when could i get on the podcast finally <laughs> for, for years <laughs> but you know that is actually a good point like a good thing to touch on like you know this podcast and your Twitter as well as Jake's were like some of the main reasons that I originally came to Latin America. So definitely a big, a big part of it. Good. And I think yeah. I want to use this podcast to basically inspire other younger guys and give them an idea of what's possible because, um, you know, you, you're a, uh, you're young dude. You're like 23 younger, Tw- 21, 21, you're 21. You're 21. Yeah, wow. Incredible. Yeah, turned twenty one in Puerto Vallarta actually, and that was that was a wild time. Good stuff. So you know, a younger guy decided to take a bit of a different path instead of getting an average office job. Decided to build an online marketing agency, got a couple of clients, and then moved to Latin America. Has spent time in a couple of different places in Mexico, Colombia, Peru, um, and uh, just you know, basically taking a different life path than the one you know the the one that they tell you you're supposed to take and um so very interesting uh i I wish i got started when i was you know 19 20 20 21 years old uh because because wow i mean what better thing to do than than the experiences that you've had so uh, i guess maybe to kick things off ben you know what made you come to latin america tell us a little bit more of your story yeah. So when I was, uh, so I moved to Latin America like a year and a half ago now. Um, and I was 20 at the time and, um, the agency had grown a fair bit and I had just been like, um, basically I, I'm from Ohio, from Cincinnati and in Ohio, it's a very repetitive place in the States. Like there's not a ton of exciting stuff. It's the Midwest. And so, um, I was, I was there just working on the business work, 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 trying to grow it because I just committed to myself like, Hey, you know, I'm not leaving my, you know, I'm not leaving this basement because that's where I was at the time I was in my parents' basement, just like grinding out on the business. And I was like, I'm not leaving here until I can go and like live a life of freedom that I want to live. So, um, basically I got up to, you know, I hit that, you know, what everyone talks about that 10 K a month mark with the business. And I was kind of just looking like, okay, so now what do I want to do with my life? And I had become super socially, like, um, 
I guess, I don't know if it's good for the podcast, but like socially autistic at this point, um, where I, I couldn't look people in the face. I couldn't look people in the eyes. And um, so I wanted to just open myself up to meeting new people and also kind of find find an adventure within my life. Like when I was younger, I kind of wrote to myself, like the goal of my life is to live the, the great, like the most maximalistic experience possible. Like I, I always say like experience maxing. And so I was kind of like, what's the first step in order to do that? And so, you know, looking at your page a lot when I was around there, I was actually between moving to like coming, going to Mexico or going to Bali um, and going to like Southeast Asia. Cause there's, there's kind of like two paths. I feel like when you first start to look at like going into uh, moving as a digital, like doing the whole digital nomad thing, you know, there's like the Southeast Asia bros kind of shit. And then there's the, Latin America thing. And so, you know, luckily, thank God I chose Latin America and I, and I moved to Playa del Carmen originally. Mm. Yeah. And I guess just to make people make this relatable for people, maybe they want to visualize what you look like. You're actually like super jacked. So there's no yeah. reason that you should be socially awkward. You're bigger right. than me and you know, you right. got the fade and you know, you got the yeah. tight black T-shirt, like you kind of got the look down. Uh, so yeah. there's, but I guess maybe just because the pandemic, uh, you know, that that kind of right. like stunted your age 18, early <laughs> adulthood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, man. After after high school, I was like kind of like I was I was I, I was really just super non-confident. I was actually bodybuilding competitively um, for a bit of time there. And I was doing Muay Thai as well. And um I was super just unconfident in myself because, and I don't know if that's a word, but because I, I felt like I had nothing really going for me outside of that. Like, you know, all my friends, I watched them go off to college and I just always knew um, that I really hated like school. <laughs> and that's not to say like it's bad, but for me, it just wasn't, wasn't working at all. And, and so I just knew I had to fi figure something else out alternative um, to what people were doing. And, you know, I needed to live some type of life where I had control over, you know, what I was doing. So I was delivering food for a while there. And, you know, I was just super that that fed into the kind of non-confidence because, you know, I would go see my friends at some fraternity party and everyone's like, oh, where do, where do you go to school? Or, you know, what are you studying? I'm like, oh, well, I deliver food. <laughs> and that's that's kind of my job. Like, I, I think I delivered. Wow. Yeah, I think Most I delivered. wouldn't be able to, to handle that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it, it, and that's what kind of like, kind of like put me deep into a shell where I was like, I don't really want to leave until I have something that I'm proud of myself for, because I felt like at that point I was just, there was nothing, you know, for me to be proud of myself for. I, was not, I, I didn't see much value within what I was doing with my life. And I mean, I racked up like 4,000 deliveries on Uber Eats and DoorDash <laughs> at that point. So dude, I was, I was ripping pretty hard, but yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. And did you like get into college? Did you go a semester and drop out or you're just like, screw it. And like, did you kind of work out a deal with your parents? Look, I'm just going to grind. Or how did that happen? No. Yeah. After high school, I actually moved out to Seattle, Washington to try to train to play professional baseball. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was, yeah. And I was training at like the, it's one of the top pro facilities and, you know, in the world, actually, it's called driveline, like a ton of really big time. I was training alongside a ton of really big time MLB players every single day. 
And so I was just out there training and, um, you know, I trained there for eight months and I was just working really hard and cause I, and I had this dream of playing professional baseball, but at some point, um, aided by, uh, some substances, let's just say that I kind of came to, after just months and months of grinding it out, I came to a realization that, you know, I didn't really want to be a pro baseball player. And I also wasn't good enough, like straight up, I had to take an objective, like come into Jesus moment and see that I wasn't good enough. And I, um, you know, I just decided to, to, to stop because, you know, I, I didn't, I just was being a baseball player because I, I didn't know what else to do with my life. And I think that's really important for anyone is like, you know, looking at the things that you spend so much of your time on and seeing, you know, is it, am I doing this because I actually want to do this? Or am I doing this just because I feel like this is all I know and this is what I should do, you know, with my life? Hmm. Hmm. It's like the mask, right? Hmm. And so the, the agency, how did yeah. you get to 10K a month with that? Or how did you know what to do? Because that sounds impossible for right. a lot of people. The idea of you know, building a 10 K a month business. That's a lot of people have a, have a limiting belief around that as well. Did you have mentors? Did you pay some guy to do a fancy mentorship program? Did you figure it out yourself? Yeah. So I was grinding on the agency. Um, after I graduated high school in 2020 and then I I hung up uh, baseball by the early 2021. Um, and then I moved home and I was just working on the agency and delivering food. And I didn't actually get my first client. Like I started working on the agency probably uh, March of 2021. And I didn't get my first like actual success with it until um, February of 2022. So it was like a year of just absolutely failing and losing, you know, f- for me, like 20 grand, which is when you don't have any other source of income. That's a lot because I didn't really have clients or anything like that. So I was paying a ton of mentors. I mean, I tried like seven different business models. Like I was doing fitness coaching. I was doing, you know, ad agencies. And so I was paying a ton of different people and how it, you know, finally got off the ground was just a culmination of all those experiences of kind of learning and failures and investing a lot of money and time and finally culminated into one thing that I got some validation on as far as like someone, you know, we had success in doing work for someone for free and then just leveraging that, you know, that uh, proof to other people. And that's kind of all an agency really is as for making money online. If you're doing a service-based business is getting some type of proof of concept that what you're doing can positively, you know, affect someone else's business or your client's business and then leveraging that into as many similar type of people as possible in in the form of a case study using email outreach and just it's a touch game like reaching out to as many people as possible Hmm. and so what made it finally start clicking in if someone's listening to this and they're like i want a 10k agency like how how would (laughs) how would you what would you recommend to them to kind of uh you know Uh, make it happen faster yeah yeah i would say that um you know try to you know don't don't try to create the new the next google like that's pretty cliche advice but try to find something where you know people are already having some success with um so for me that was like originally it was just posting things on tiktok for like podcasts and youtubers and making clips and then posting them for them 
And what happened is I created like a fan page for a few really big podcasts and, you know, they blew up overnight and I was able to leverage those fan bit pages into those podcasts and say, hey, you know, we built this for you. Um, would you be interested in, you know, taking over ownership or us running it for them? And then, you know, eventually someone said yes. And, you know, from there, it's just like, I would say the biggest thing is reach out to as many people as possible. Um, like outreach when you're early on in an agency, if you have like your offer, which can be any sort of thing, it could be video editing, it could be Facebook ads, it could be copywriting, it could be email marketing, whatever. Um, the, the biggest thing that you can do is just reach out to as many prospects as possible. Um, and if you do that, you know, eventually if you send 20,000 emails, eventually someone's going to get on a call with you and then you just got to, you know, work on your sales, sales process and have something valuable to sell them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if anyone's wondering, uh, Ben has not done anything with my podcast or clips. I asked him back, back when we were (laughs) hanging out in more in in Mexico and he said, uh, he either said, I don't work with friends or you can't afford me. One of the, one of the two. <laughs> it's, it's a, well, you know, it's, it's a mixture of both because now where we're at, where, where, you know, where we're at in the agency, we got a pretty big team and um, it's like, we know the type of client that we mesh really well with. And we know the type of client that is like, not like, we know who's going to get a really big ROI out of our service and who's not. So, you know, there's certain people where they'll do better just from taking on just like a video editor who's maybe cheaper and maybe a lot more, you know, like able to focus on just your one case than us. But where, where my agency specifically comes in is when someone needs like a doctor that wants to, you know, doesn't have a lot of time, has a ton of money and wants to create content where we can help him create all the content. And then we can edit all of it for him and post it and manage kind of his whole social system in general. Um, that's where our service kind of comes in to be effective. Cool. Good. So the the agency started rolling, started getting good. And then your decision set changed where, um, you were able to kind of maybe move on to the the next step of life, move out of the basement. What, what kind of options were you considering? Did you consider moving to San Francisco or Miami or something? And then how, did you uh, end up choosing uh, Latin America, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So like I was saying earlier, I was actually looking between like Bali and uh, Mexico, Playa del Carmen specifically for the first kind of like leap off place, which I'm really glad I chose Playa just because I, I do feel like Playa is still probably one of the best places for someone who their first time to go be like a, live in another country and be a digital nomad, especially in Latin America is like a great spot for that. Cause there is still a lot of, um, you know, people that can speak English and it's just like a slow cultural change, but looking at, uh, you know, looking at the guys that were in Miami and Dubai, a lot of, you know, kind of, kind of people in that Twitter space are, I just, I didn't, I didn't like the, you know, it's just kind of, I felt like it was just going further into the rat race of like, Hey, you know, who's going to get the highest agency revenue number next month. And that's not to say that's bad. Like that's great. If people want to do that and growing the business is something I'm interested in want to grow too. But guys always talk about, um, you know, like, Oh, you need to be around people that are making more money than you so that you're motivated to make more money. And for me, I just always thought that was goofy. Cause I'm like, um, I don't need some external 
persons in comparison to motivate myself to grow my business. It's like, this is my business. And if I want to grow it, then I'm going to grow it. I'm not going to need, you know, some other dude that makes a little bit more money than me to make me, you know, go hard on this. It it didn't make sense to me. So, and, and also it's just, I feel like, like I said earlier, my biggest goal in life was how can I live the, the greatest life experience possible? How can I maximize my life experience? And mm-hmm. I think you, in order to do that, there, you 100% have to be a part of different cultures um, and like experience different ways of life and different, you know, different people outside of yourself. And in addition, one of my favorite parts of Latin America with that is it's, it's, it's one of the greatest places because you have access to really insane life experiences at like half of the price compared to if you want to do that in America. Right. So like an example is when I moved to Mazatlan, I had never surfed before and um, surf classes in Mazatlan for two hours were like 20 bucks and you get the surfboard with it. And then I was, I was just messing around one day. I was like, okay, so what is a surf class cost in um, California for one hour? And I found like, $170 $170 for one hour of surf coaching with the surfboard included. No way. It's like, yeah. Insane. And so it's like, yeah, it's like, that's an experience where if I'm in California, that costs $170, but I'm here and it costs me $20 to do, to do something and do it for longer. And so I can learn to surf at like a 10th of the price, you know, of what it would be over there. And, and that's, that's in general in Latin America, it's like you have access to, a lot of those different things. Like when I fl- jumped off the side of a mountain in Medellin um, and went paragliding, it was like, it was like $30, right? And that's like a hundred, you know, $200 thing to do something like that um, yeah. in the States. Did, did you come so, in Mazatlan when we went ATVing on the beach? I didn't, I was, I did not, I went ATVing a separate time and uh, I didn't yeah. go with, I remember when you guys went, but I didn't go that day, but I have been ATVing on the beach and that's like, an amazing experience. Like, I absolutely amazing love experience. doing that. And it was what? So 35 bucks? Yeah, $35. I mean, it's like <laughs> these kind of things, you know, they're just, it's, it's way, it's, it's, I mean, I went horseback riding through the jungle of Colombia two months ago, two and a half months ago in Parque Tyrona. And it was literally $10 to like ride a horse for two hours through the jungle. <laughs> that's like absolutely insane. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely there's definitely just access to a lot of experiences that you you know you just have to pay a whole lot more and are a whole lot more difficult to set up because in Latin America you know you walk up to the dude who's got you go down to where the fishermen are at and if you want to take a boat ride you walk up to the dude who's got a boat next to him and you just say you know like what's up man like can I can I take a boat ride and he's like okay like 10 bucks and it's like okay let's do it right whereas in the states it's like oh you have to go and you have to go set this up online you have to sign these papers and do all this and it's like you know i don't know mm-hmm. i like the i like the flow of it mm-hmm. definitely definitely yeah. i wanted to double down on just how you decided that you wanted to leave the united states as opposed to right. say going to miami or I don't know what, what a normal Ohio guy would do. I'm not sure if they're more attracted to the East, Co- East Coast or West Coast or Texas or something. But how did you decide that you wanted to leave the States? A normal Ohio guy would stay in Ohio. Um, that's the truth of that. Isn't Mark Cuban from Ohio? Didn't he? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually not sure uh, about, about that. But um, I'd be surprised if he was. But um, 
to leave the States and, you know, I just felt like I had never really left the country when I was growing up um, at all. So I feel like, you know, I would just, like, I don't know if, if, I know normal dudes like do this a lot, but I'm always the guy who's like looking at a map and just seeing like all these crazy places and cities I've never heard of and places like I've never seen. I'm like, man, that looks really cool to check out. <laughs> um, you know, so I was just looking at that. And um, also Latin America's in similar time zones, which is a big part of it. So you can still like work. You're not in Southeast Asia where it's completely different. Um, and really just, being on Twitter, like I got on Twitter when I was a lot younger and kind of originally was in this weird, like red pill, you know, manosphere, like looking at that content um, when I was like 17. And luckily I, I got out of that kind of space and over time um, came into like all different kind of niches. So within, within that, I found this whole, all these random dudes on Twitter talking about Latin America and like, oh, you can live in Latin America in a penthouse apartment and, you know, do amazing things for a quarter of the price that you could do it at in the U.S. And you can also meet amazing people um, and, you know, just a whole alternative kind of lifestyle. And that really attracted me right away. And, and being from Ohio, like I said, um, I just had always seen everyone kind of do this similar path. And I was like, okay, what's really going to stir the pot? So going to Miami, it's like, that's different, but I feel like that's still similar. You know, it's still very similar, but how can I really stir my life pot up and just put myself in, you know, on Mars essentially. It's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you stirred the pot. You started with Plyto Carmen. You're saying you'd recommend Plyto Carmen to any kind of beginner digital nomad looking for a, a good first spot to land? Yeah, I would say especially if you're not super confident in your Spanish, going to Playa is a good place just because um, one thing for me was, like I said, never been out of the country. And there's a ton of Euro like European people, like French, French people. And, you know, I met one of my best buddies and he's from Norway and, you know, now we're lifelong friends. Um, and so I was just meeting a lot of people and also, you know, um, being, seeing some of that Mexican culture that's, you know, you can go and play it so weird because there's like the fifth Avenue, right. Where everything's just tourist kind of stuff. But then if you go like, uh, whatever to 30th Avenue, which is like 25, 25, it sounds a lot further than it is, but it's just like a few blocks up. It's completely different world. And so you can kind of have access to both of those experiences in a really close place. And it's also a super, walkable kind of town which i highly suggest like um being somewhere that's walkable that's my actually my least favorite part of mazalan is it's not the most walkable place overall but playa itself is super walkable people are friendly a lot of people are kind of doing the digital nomad thing which is comforting when you see other people working online because most places in latin america i feel like still is you're not going to see a lot of people working online it's like cafes will have um Cafes will have music blaring at a hundred volume in the cafe, which is one of my, I, I hate that, but <laughs> like, dude, I mean, in Mexico, you go into a cafe and they'll have like two, two, uh, two megabyte per second download speed or something in the, in the, you know, music will be going crazy hard. I'm like, come on, you know, like this is, this is insane. But in Playa, there's definitely still that work environment 
of you can go into any cafe and there's 20 people working on something at any time, which is really interesting. Yeah, there's kind of an interesting paradox that I want to try to make the connection to, which is that like at least early in your journey, you want to be surrounded by other digital nomads and expats just to kind of show you that it's possible and kind of see how other people are managing the lifestyle. But you had kind of alluded to how you don't need to be around other agency guys or other people in your specific niche to motivate you to, you know, grow your business. So it's kind of uh, not like a catch 22, but I don't know, like how, how would you square those two things? Yeah. You know, I think that, I think that being, being around, being around agency guys, it's like all it, one of my least favorite things and as everyone's always talking about like, Oh, you're caught up in like, he's stuck in the matrix and calling people NPCs. And, you know, even some guy on Twitter has something that says like, stop being poor or something. And I just think it's, it's um, such a small experience to live where it's like, these guys think that they're outside of some matrix because they are um, because they're making a ton of money and live in their big, nice apartment in Miami or something. But really they're just as stuck in the matrix still because they are so limited in their experience and they cut off half the population as just being poor people in that they're above some type of population because, you know, they make more money than them. And so I think that when people are around a lot of times younger guys, and I'm not saying that I I know everything here, but younger guys, a lot of times they go to Miami and then they just get caught up in the same kind of like circle of all oh, getting this revenue, doing this, you know, like it's, it's the same thing that everyone is, is in. And to me, that's just not attractive to be a part of. It's essentially the matrix just on a different kind of matrix. It's like the matrix of who's going to get the higher revenue this month and who's going to get the cooler Twitter post or some bullshit. Um, and that's, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, but that's, that's just not, PG not, not what I want. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just not what I wanted to be a part of is is a circle jerk. Gotcha. Hey, PG-13. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I, I do think Playa, I agree with you. I think Playa probably is the best um, soft landing for people. I would argue it's a better soft landing than Medellin in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, and I, I do think it is good to be around other digital nomads, especially people doing different things, just to kind of see like how almost everyone is making money online in a different way. Once maybe you, you, you leave our little niche or our little bubble of Twitter, but like when you're in Playa, some people are, you know, yoga teachers, some people are online psychologists, some people have agencies, some people are programmers. Some people are just living off savings. Um, It's like a little bit of everything. And honestly, there's almost no two people that do the same thing. And when people meet up there, uh, the the expats and stuff, they're really not talking about business. They're not talking about how much they made this month. They're just kind of like enjoying life. And I don't know, just uh, just enjoying the, the moment, I guess. Yeah. I mean, moving to Playa changed my life for sure. Like, like I said, when, before I moved there, I was super socially awkward and, um, you know, moving there got me out of my shell so much just because every single day you're around so many people and you're kind of like, it's not a super big, like it's a really small town actually Playa is it's everything kind of happens within like 38 streets. Um, and so you're forced to be around a lot of people and you, it's, 
actually hard to socially isolate yourself. And being a part of that just made me talk to more people, you know, meet new people from like, you know, date girls from different countries and kind of talk, you know, just have conversations and uh, be a part of that. And that, that, that really helped me out and changed me and gr- helped me grow. And then from being that, it gave me more confidence to be able to go somewhere. Like the next place I went after Playa was Mazalan. And it's a complete tailspin kind of because there's like no <laughs> no gringos in Mazalan. I had no no idea what to expect. And then, you know, in Mazalan, it's, it's very Mexican, very like we are Mazalan. We are in Mazalan, right? And um, we are in Sinaloa. And, you know, the first weekend I went out in Mazalan, I was going out alone and I walk out, you know, I walk close to this bar and then these guys hop out of a car and scream like, you know, you know, gringo, vamos. Like they, they just like adopted me into their group to go out for that night to the, to the clubs. And it was an absolute amazing time. But if I would have came straight to Mazatlan, I would have never even tried to go out alone. But since I went to Playa first and I had gotten more comfortable with myself and gotten more comfortable with like being around such different cultures, I was, I was able to go out alone and kind of, you know, explore and feel comfortable enough with myself and feel like, you know, Mexico is not some, in Latin America in general, is not some big bad place where you have to be worried all the time. It's like you can actually, you can live here and I feel safer. You know, Mazalan's the safest place I felt like I've been in my time in Latin America. This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by Language Blend, the new best way to learn Spanish. Language Blend focuses on what you actually need to live and get by abroad with daily one-on-one lessons, a dedicated texting partner. It's like living in a Spanish-speaking country without ever leaving home. Go to languageblend.com for more information. Interesting. And uh, we'll we'll have to come back to some Sinaloa stories a little bit later in the podcast because I know you got some, but I don't want (laughs) to disrupt the flow here. So so you, you start in Playa. Uh, we, we don't have to do like the whole thing chronologically, but, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll touch on a couple things. But um, what is it like going from somewhere like a gringo hell or a, <laughs> a, yeah. a digital nomad hub, as I yeah. say? What's it like going from a digital nomad hub to a place like a Mazatlan where there's less gringos? Like what what do people need to be aware of um, when yeah. they're when like in terms of that transition? I would say the first thing to be aware of is, is that, you know, you need to be able to make friends and go out of your way to make friends a lot more than when you're in a gringo hub, like, like Playa is, um, because when you're, when you're there, it's just, you're, like I said, you're going to make friends pretty easily just sitting at the cafe. But when you're here and, you know, when you're in another place where there's just not, not many gringos, you got to like, go in and talk to people. And if someone looks interesting, just like, you know, getting involved with community type of activities. So like going out and surfing, you know, at first it was just me and a coach, but then, you know, you meet other guys while you're out there. Um, So I think that the biggest thing is making friends is a lot going to be a lot different of an experience Um, doing experiences in general and like making yourself go do things is super important. Um, Like when I first moved to Playa, I just didn't really, I just, for a bit there, I just kind of did like the working gym, 
and, you know, very occasional beach. And you can get really caught up in that when you first kind of move to Latin America. And so really big for me was like saying, okay, here's like listing out 20 cool things I want to do or see in a certain city. And then making sure that I go in like when I'm bored or when I'm like, if I'm getting too caught up in just the daily routine, I'm like, okay, I'm in this amazing place right now. I need to go do some of this. Like I need to go see some things. I need to go explore something. Right. Um, a little mind so ruin. Be, something like yeah. That. Yeah. Being, being, and that's actually one of my biggest regrets from my time in Playa is I was not intentional at all. Like I didn't even see the mine. I didn't even see a mine ruin when I was in Playa. And like, <laughs> I didn't do much, much stuff. And it was because I was never intent. Like you have to be really intentional no matter where you are in Latin America about, or anywhere in the world about going and doing things because it's very easy to get caught up in that daily. I I honestly think that's fine on your first um, location because the goal isn't to hundred percent maximize the experience. The goal is to kind of set a sustainable routine and put your business in a place and just kind of get comfortable with Latin America. Right. You know, I remember yeah. when I first went to Playa, um, someone, someone told me like, and you know, we're going out and it's kind of hard to balance like the 3am nights on the week on weeknights and stuff like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. look, man, if you can make this work for the first two to three months, you can do this the rest of your life. Right. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's fair. So first two or three months, I'm just gonna like, I'll do a little living, but it's really more about just setting myself up to be able to do this forever. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've seen people that, you know, they have to leave. Like when I was in Playa, I met two guys that actually had to leave just because it was too much, like it was too much for them to be able to have be in such an amazing place. Like even when I brought my brother down, he couldn't separate vacation from like, because when you're in a place like Playa or, you know, most places in Latin America, you're like, it's kind of like a vacation, you feel like. But if you can't separate the vacation aspect from like the living aspect, you're gonna have a lot of trouble because if you're just, you know, being on vacation all the time, it's a very hard lifestyle to live. And it gets really takes it takes a toll on you for sure. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even you saw it. Uh, you and I saw it together in Mazatlan where you and I were right. trying to work. And then we had a couple of my buddies from Canada and stuff like that. And right. um, they're, they were in full vacation mode. They weren't even digital nomads. And right. so it's, it's a tough balance where, you know, they want to go out on the, on the weeknights or they want right. to just interrupt you all day during the day and say like, hey, like, who wants to go to the OXO and all this stuff? It's like, man, I'm just working. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, you do, you, you definitely have to be um, disciplined. Yeah. I think that also when you're transitioning out, like outside of a, outside of a gringo hub, um, outside of just being able more intentional about making friends and doing activities, a lot of the time you have to, you have to um, kind of figure out what, what you how you know when you come to these places they're not so they're not so like hey you go to these cafes you go to these restaurants you go to do these things you have to figure out like what you're what you actually enjoy about certain places because you know a lot of the times um, you're not going to see the hot spots of what other gringos are going to do so 
finding finding out you know where your spots are like in Mazatlan I have my restaurant spots my cafe spots my gym and I and I and I've kind of figured those out for myself and the thing is here you know a lot of the times the places with the most reviews or that that look the most good you can't even trust because it's like you know those people are from a completely different background than you so like for me um, it's finding like my restaurant. So like every single day I go to this pokey house and I get pokey because I like to eat, I like, I don't, I don't cook, but I like to eat healthy still. And so I had to like find that restaurant, but that's not a super popular restaurant in Mazatlan. Like that's not, you know, people don't really, Mexicans aren't really don't love the pokey that much. They're, they're very <laughs> eating their own food. Right. <laughs> um, so, so I had to find that I had to go out of my way to find that in, you know, certain cafes that have good Wi-Fi or things like that, because like in a gringo hub, it's kind of, you know, you already know that the cafe you're going to go into most of the time is going to have good Wi-Fi because they have to. Um, but when you're somewhere like this, it's not, you know, it's not just a given that they're going to have certain, certain aspects, certain items. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was honestly stunned that you went back to Mazatlan uh, after, yeah. you know, we were there for a couple months and then you went to Peru, you went home to the States for a bit. And then I think you went to Peru and then you went yeah. back to Mazatlan for, wait, where yeah. are you now, by the way? I'm in Mazatlan right oh, now. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm here right now looking out at the ocean. Um, so actually, yeah, the first time I was, I've been to Mazatlan, this is my third time here, my third sit in Mazatlan. And I, I really like it here. Um, as far as like living here for like, I don't think I'll live anywhere for um, like a year straight for a long time, but Mazalan feels like a home kind of spot for me because um, it's just, it's like the thing, one thing that I would say about the pe- the people in Mazalan, as far as like the locals you'll meet, I really enjoy a lot more than I enjoyed in Playa del Carmen because mm-hmm. the thing about it is, is like with the tourist aspect in Mazalan, there's an interesting statistic like, two percent of the tourism in Mazatlan is international versus 97 percent or 98 percent being domestic and so with that comes that people aren't looking at you as just like getting a buck off of you when you're in Mazatlan in in places that aren't just reliant on gringo tourism in general people aren't just looking at you as another dollar that like oh how can I get a maximum amount of money out of this guy Whereas in Playa, when you walk down the main street, Fifth Avenue, I felt like always I was just like dollar signs, like, you know, what restaurant can they try to like get me into and what kind of like place. But people aren't people aren't um, like that here. And you can make real like real friendships. Like I have real, really real friendships. Like I've been invited to family carne asadas and shit here. Um, And that's been so beautiful. And which is something I don't feel like is very as possible in Playa just because of the economy in general what it's based on so Mm -hmm. that's really a big part that's something that i really enjoy about it here yeah i think it's i think it's good for digital nomads to have a place that they can go back to whenever they have maybe a lull in the schedule or they just want to grind for a bit they want to go somewhere familiar it's like you know this city you can go back to get a one-month airbnb and grind and you know you know what area you want to stay in and it, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's less of a huge mental definitely logistical issue all the time definitely yeah i've been here three months now on this stint um so i, I was in i was in peru and then i went to colombia and then i had an emergent family emergency kind of situation that i had to run home for and so i was actually going to be in colombia for like two more months and unfortunately i had to go home and i didn't feel like 
I don't know. For some reason, it feels like there's such a big difference between like Mexico and then going to South America, even though flying to Medellin is like not, you know, from Florida is like three hours, four hours or something. It's not a very bad flight at all. And it's like a hundred bucks typically. But for some reason in my mind, there's like a, there's like a block there of like, oh, if I go all the way to South America, then I don't want to, you know, I want it to, you know, there's just a difference there for, for me. And so it feels um, further. Yeah, it feels for, I don't know what, it, I don't know why, but it feels just, in, it also feels like um, a lot, di- like, I don't know, just different in general for me. I don't know what it is. So I just decided to come back to Mazatlan and luckily, you know, the weather's been in the summer, man, what, one thing I'll say is Mazatlan in the summer is extremely hot. Like every single day on the feels like, feels like for people that do Fahrenheit, it's like 107, 108 since, since I got here in July which is like really brutal and really difficult to work with. But with that, um, it has been amazing time for surfing in Mazatlan. This is when the surf, surf is the best. So that's been a really cool thing. But the heat has been a bit rough. Are you getting blasted though with like sunburns? Dude, I don't sunburn. I don't know. Like I don't, I, I, I don't, I just, I, like when I first come back, I always build up my kind of tolerance and I, and I haven't used sunscreen in literally like six years. Um, I haven't used shampoo. I haven't used sunscreen in like six years. So I just kind of adopted being on that kind of Twitter, uh, thing, unfortunately, or fortunately, I kind of adopted this whole, um, not going super being somewhat natural. So, I mean, I use coconut oil and, you know, as long as you're not trying to random, yeah, random question, but I'm just curious what you use for shampoo, if not shampoo. Uh, Yeah. I haven't used shampoo. I haven't really used any product in my hair for five years. Um, nothing. You use coconut oil in your hair? Occasionally. Yeah. Usually if I'm like, uh, after, after I go in the ocean, I'll put some coconut oil in something like that. But, um, I haven't, um, natural. yeah, just, you know, like I, I, right now I actually have bleach blonde hair, funny enough, but, um, like after, after, after bleaching it, I had to use a lot of coconut oil cause it's like messes with the chemicals. But what I found was after I got off shampoo, um, and this is a wild topic to be switching to, but after I got off shampoo, like over three weeks of not using shampoo, your hair kind of rebalances like the natural oils within it. Whereas shampoo Um, and don't quote me on the science, but shampoo is like constantly keeping your hair at certain, certain like chemical kind of levels. So that's why it feels good. And so for the first three weeks after four weeks after it's very oily, but then after that, it just rebalances to be like what your hair is normally supposed to be. I mean, for million or thousands of years, people didn't use shampoo and then it was created one day. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm kind of getting to that age where my hair is starting to fall out a bit. So I'm I'm kind of like, (laughs) dude. I'm like genuinely curious. Yeah. Try some, try some like rosemary oil, things like I've that. Heard that. There's, there's I've a, heard that. Yeah. There's a lot of good products out there. I've heard that. Um, think, okay. So Mazatlan, good spot for digital nomads, yeah. good spot for, for living overall. The big um, hesitation a lot of people would have would be the narco situation. Uh, yeah. We might end up talking about this for way too long, but it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. So uh give give us your spiel on uh what what what's up with that yeah so as far as like i know you said good spot for digital nomads i think that mazatlan is a good spot for a certain type of digital nomad like if if you're a digital nomad that wants to be around other digital nomads then this is like 
probably the worst spot for you, honestly, because you're not like you're going to go into a cafe and you're going to be working there alone a lot of times. And so there's that. But if you're a digital nomad who's like interested in making friends with people and interested in really diving deep and, you know, something like surfing, anything like that, it's a good spot for you. As far as the narco situation goes, like I saw this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but I think one of the biggest things that people need to realize is, you know, these guys are not they do not want to they're not interested in some random gringo Greg walking around like, you know, they're not going to be like going after you and targeting you because you're a gringo. Like they don't really care about you. Um, it's like thinking, it's like thinking the CIA is after you, like these guys, like they think the CIA is after them. It's like, no, dude, you have like 15,000 followers on Twitter. They're not trying to attack you. <laughs> like They're not worried about you, brother. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest kind of mindset shifts that people can have, but that's my that's my like basis for it but as far as like in Mazatlan interacting with them you're definitely like if you, you will interact with them you can 100% the, like if you go if you go out at night you go to the club like they're there yeah 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 i mean you go in the bathroom i mean obviously there's <laughs> things going on there right um, they're there and avoid the all bathrooms <laughs> But they're not, they're not there to, they're not there. No one's there to specifically hurt you and no one wants to hurt you. It's like the big, like I, I wouldn't be scared of it at all. Like I've walked around Mazatlan, um, with minimal Spanish. Like I, I have decent Spanish now, but I had minimal Spanish when I first moved here. And I walked around here at two, three in the morning, completely alone in busy parts of the country, busy parts of the city and never have had a problem. Um, you know, in, in, in Mazatlan, it's actually interesting too, like, one thing in Mexico is I have been like had problems with the police. Um, I have had problems with the police a few times and you know, that's just like them trying to get money off of you, but I've never had that in Mazatlan at all whatsoever. So even the police here, they're like just a few weeks ago, like you're not allowed to walk on the beach in Mexico after a certain time, um, at least in Mazatlan. And I was walking on the beach and, you know, shirtless, just like going to read a book and, you know, it's it's not legal here and so the police came and they like stopped me and it's actually a ticket if you walk on the beach late here at night alone um like that and the police stopped me and they said like hey man like come up and i came and we talked and you know most times people would think if you've been in mexico for a bit people would think you know they're going to try to get money off of you they're going to say you have a ticket the police literally just said like they were completely nice about it they didn't they didn't give me a ticket they didn't do anything it was just like genuine kind people that are like, hey, man, you know, that's you're not supposed to do that. And I was like, OK. And I just walked off the beach. Right. And so like when I was in Playa, I got I got shake, shaken down. When I was in Mexico City. I got shaken down. But here um, have never dealt with that. And, and that could lend itself into the narco situation itself. And that could be because of that, because it's like there is some sense of, um, you know, like an insular economy. I right. Guess. Yeah. That's what, that's what, and, and I don't, I, I don't, um, I can't go too into the specifics, right, with that, because obviously I'm not like, I'm not inside anything here that I know exactly, but that's what I felt in Puerto Vallarta too, um, where it was like, you know, you don't mess with tourists, um, because these people are, these people are here, they're spending money, they're part of the business, um, and yeah, it's just, it's more of a general thing, it's not like a specific tourist doing a specific thing, but I've definitely had my interactions specifically like in the casino um i've had my interactions in let's get into it stuff. let's get into it yeah, and, so, yeah. and before we do sorry to, to buckle the buckle like 
let's put a pin in that casino story. But I think everyone does know, though, that in Mexico, you know, they're not specifically trying to mess with tourists because it messes up their it messes up their image as a country, blah, blah, blah. But isn't it still just a little weird how like in Sinaloa, like half of people, maybe 25, 30 percent of people are involved in some way or at least they're allegiances kind of like a lot like lie in that direction a little bit isn't it just like a little weird that like everyone kind of knows someone everyone has like crazy weird stories you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah definitely yeah i was even talking to a girl about that um that you know it's always someone's friend cousin brothers at some point like you just kind of it's it's a part of life and, and you know someone and um one thing that I, you know in mazalan specifically is that you know it's actually a very like low crime kind of place and i think that that's a big reason because it's kind of like a very protected place like you're not you're not messing with mazalan um and Mm -hmm. you know so it causes a lot of there's not much drama going on here on like a daily basis at all like when you're here in the winter it's a ton of old retirees that are here from the states and and you know if there was a ton of drama going on they would not be here for sure yeah yeah, there's no yeah. real answer, but you know, it's like I was talking to to Jake about like where like why not live in Mexico? Why do you or why not live in Mazlan? Why do you live where you live? And he's right. like, you know what, it would just kind of be weird to like raise a family there with like right. and have yeah. have your neighbors like this and that. I know you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have the answer to that, but I'm just wondering right. as someone who's like spent more time in Mazlan than me, kind of like how you've kind of come to terms with that. Um, I think that obviously it's like, what, what, how are you living? Right? Like, I'm not, I'm, I go out occasionally, but I'm not going out a ton. And I'm also like, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't really do, do drugs in general or anything like that. So as far as me personally, I'm just not super in, in, in places where I would ever be like dealing with that. And I think that that's, that's a big part is like, if you want to go get into it, then you can get, you can you know have to deal with those problems but you can completely it's completely feasible to avoid those problems if you want to right i mean obviously maybe you'll see something or hear something but you can avoid it for sure if you wish to and um you know coming to terms with that is just like don't get involved with the wrong the wrong problems which obviously okay so they're not going after tourists (laughs) they're not going after tourists and You know, if you're not doing crazy shit, you'll be fine. Okay. You'll, you'll All right. Hit me, hit me with this casino story. <laughs> so I don't want to go too deep here because I am a bit – I honestly am a bit worried about like uh, saying too much, right? I don't – I mean obviously I don't I don't think it would be a problem, but it is – it does get pretty specific um, with some things. But just being in the casinos here in Mazatlan, um, it is crazy because, you know, I'm not saying that anyone is in a specific line of work, but let's just say that it very much you would, it would lend itself to believe that they're in specific lines of work. Some guys that like, I, I'm a big poker player. I really enjoy playing poker. It's how I blow off steam a lot of the time and um, or not necessarily blow off steam, but just like kick back, enjoy. And I like the, the strategy of it, of playing player versus player um, versus like when you're playing blackjack or playing um, some uh, roulette, something like that. I'm not a big fan of those slots anything like that but when you're playing poker here it's very interesting because you can be playing with guys that um poker here is is like big like um 
you know, there's a really big scene. There's a lot of different casinos, a lot of games going on on any specific night. And they're also, you're able to play some pretty high stakes game games here. Um, whereas like, you know, there's games that I've seen where the minimum is say 10,000 pesos just to enter. And, you know, most guys are playing with far more than that. And 10,000 pesos is like six, around $550 at this point, which uh-huh. isn't like crazy. But if you're in Mexico, that is pr- kind of kind of wild. Um, it's also one thing that you, it, you're illuminated to when you come to like a casino um, is just like there is a massive far more people that have a far more money than you think they do in in Mexico. Like, you know, there's guys that are playing with um, the, the biggest one I've seen was I saw, you know, one hand of poker two weeks ago. That was 11 million pesos. Um, and that's that's I'm pretty sure that's like around four hundred dollars. Yeah, 400, 500 grand um, in in one hand. And the guy who lost, he loses, and he was just completely, completely stone-faced, like was not like upset at all. And like that means, you know, that man had a ton of money, right? Um, And so like there's there's guys like that. And when you're sitting at a poker table or when you're sitting at any sort of table, you're playing at any time with – guys that look super corporate so maybe they're like a federal judge or something and you're also playing with guys that you know you're just a very um you can tell certain things right by how they dress how they talk how they act and yet you're playing with these people from all walks of life probably playing with some you know narcos things like that and you're probably playing with some guy who has some big business and you're probably playing with you know the federal prosecutor or something but everyone comes to the poker table and they're all everyone's respectful of everyone and playing like together and and not like there's no everything is left at the door at the poker table here and at the casino in general um i don't know about the other games but at least at the poker table so it's a very interesting kind of like uh thing to watch play out because you're just you're just sitting there watching like people that would be in no other place together and now they're sitting in the same room playing a game against each other um, you know what so. the average NPC would say? Be like, bro, if you take money off one of these guys, when you walk out the door, they're just going to swoop you, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. No way. But they're not, um, right? No. No, dude. I mean, it's like that's the wildest part is like, you know, I've seen guys lose a ton of money. I've seen guys win a ton of money. I've taken big, big scores off of like in, in, in a hand. And um, people just smile and just like are – happy for you it's like it's always respectful and you know there's very little there's very little like you know i've never seen i've literally never seen an issue the biggest issue i've ever seen is when someone's cards accidentally hit another guy when he folded and like he was literally like you know saying sorry over and over and the other guy forgave him right away and so you know everyone's super respectful and you know i've never been worried at all and even like some of these guys which are like not getting too deep into specifics, but I've even gone out to the clubs and had some insane experiences um, at some points going out with some certain people and like um, everything is, you know, everything is paid for, everything is taken care of and you're just, you're just having a good time and people are just being nice, normal people to each other. Um, That's what it is um, when you go out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, quick interruption to tell you about BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to convert your crypto into gift card balances. These are gift cards that you can spend at Hotels.com, Airbnb, Nike, and many more. 
You may remember Joel Valenzuela, previous podcast guest. He's been living on crypto exclusively since 2015, and he's a big consumer of BitRefill. And so I asked Joel, I said, what do you like most about BitRefill? He said that he likes the instant delivery, the precise amount so that you don't have to juggle a lot of gift cards, and he loves the global selection. Nobody else has this much selection of gift cards, over 10,000 gift card options across hundreds of countries. Go to bitrefill.com to sign up, and you can also use the code MyLatinLife for 10% back off your first purchase. Go to bitrefill.com for more information. Yeah, I think uh, I think anyone that's spent enough time in these narco areas, I, at least a lot of people I know, they've had these kind of stories where it's like, I met these guys that were like narcos, whatever, and then they were like right. hopping the Jeep, and then we hit the club, right. and... They were yeah. splashing out and right. like we just like skipped the line and like all this shit. So Yeah. Yeah. Not, that's not trying to glorify this shit, but it's funny how yeah. yeah, I mean it's in there's obviously like bad parts of, of everything, but I mean um, the way I look at it is I'm not I'm not directly supporting, I'm not against anyone or anything. Obviously I'm I'm against like general evil in the world. But I would say that, you know, go out with, go and meet the, whatever, the, some pharmaceutical companies, CEO or head, head worker. And they're selling, they're selling drugs that are killing tons of people too with painkillers. And um, it's just that it's an accepted evil that we're like, oh, this is okay though. Or, you know, vaccines, whatever that is. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll you cut know. you there. You don't have to like, uh, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to justify anything. Yeah. Um, hmm. You got any other good stories? You, you, you got to let me, you, come yeah. on, you've been, you've been there for yeah. a while. I know, I know you got one or two. Yeah. In Mazalon, as far as, as far as in that specific topic, um, I'm not too sure. Just as anything, far like, as like, yeah, just like, hit, yeah. me, hit me like, like this dude, yeah. I saw you like six months ago. Like what, uh, yeah. what have been some of the notable moments lately? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually one really fun time that we had together was going to that truck, that truck, uh, uh rally. Yeah. Dude, I mean, like, so that was insane because you're just like walking around and these people have absurd trucks and they're coming from all over Mexico um, kind of just to show off their trucks. It's just a it's a wild culture. One, one other thing that was really crazy was about a month ago, then there was a hurricane in um, on uh, Baja, California. Me and another uh, guy who was here. Um, who's on in kind of the space we went surfing on a hurricane hurricane waves and literally we're like the only people out there. there's no other people out there not even mexicans not even locals and we're surfing these absolutely insanely massive waves like you know 12 to 20 feet uh tall waves and that was an insane day and actually one of my favorite days ever in mazalan because you know it was like it was it was it was beautiful it was dangerous um in some ways, like I, I, I've almost drowned actually a few times while surfing because, because <laughs> I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the greatest, um, but I, I enjoy it a lot. And so, surfing a hurricane and hurricane swell or whatever it's called was definitely very notable. Um, you're coming down these insane waves and just going super fast, and um, you know if you wipe out, you're gonna be going deep under the water. Um, so like, are you getting you good? Even, like. When I yeah, saw you yeah. last, you were like, you're definitely a lot better than me for sure. I'm yeah. freaking horrible. But are you like, do you feel like you're finally now like in like a good spot where you could just like pull up to right. like Hawaii or something and be like, what's up? And like, get 
Dude, I think that I could, I can, I can drop in on like almost most size waves at this part. Like that's not like riding them isn't the hard part. Like as far as doing like whatever tricks and cuts and things like that, I'm still not really there. Um, but I can, I can ride like as far as just surfing and just riding waves, I, I can do that pretty confidently. Um, one wild thing that happened when I was surfing like two months ago was I was surfing in this place by this day club called Onaki and there's a ton of yeah. sea urchins and dude, I, I fell in and I literally had sea urchins. I still have sea urchins in my feet and hands and in my body today. Ooh. And I had to go, I had to get like sent to the, to the hospital and they're like, like using like knives and shit to cut uh, sea urchins out of my hands and feet. And it was literally one of the most painful things ever. So, um, that was, that was definitely a wild, a wild part of it. Um, and I would say just in general, like it's, it's an interesting thing when you go out to a nightclub and you know, you're the only person there that's, that's a gringo, right? That's a very interesting kind of, kind of, uh, experience every single time I do it still, because you're just kind of like an alien and, sometimes people will notice you a lot more than others. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind either way. If no one looks at me or if people are like looking at me like an alien, it's like both really interesting. But I think when you do that, you get to experience like things that you wouldn't experience if there's a lot of other gringos around, because a lot of times, especially in Mazatlan, people are wanting to like show you more of their culture. So like this girl is teaching me to dance Banda and, um, you know, we're listening, I'm in the car with these guys at three in the morning going super fast, listening to, to Corridos and like, um, you know, drinking Pacificos and all this kind of stuff. Um, showing, you know, showing me all the different clubs, all the different bars, all the local kind of spots that, you know, not that other people just aren't going to. Um, and I think that's actually to, to make a note on that is, whatever city you go to um go not outside of playa i think playa has good spots but not going to the tourist spots like some of my biggest regrets are in medellin as far as like traveling goes in medellin living in provenza was actually like one of i really did not enjoy that um and if i did it again i would 100 percent not live in provenza i'd live in a different part of the city mm -hmm. uh, maybe even like bayo just because when you're there it's <laughs> It's like, dude, I'm talking, Bayo was my favorite part of that part of the country. Like, I know Medellin, Medellin's great, but like Bayo and then the centro of Medellin. Was Bayo's amazing. like the hood for anyone wondering. Dude, Bayo is the spot. The Bayo, I have a YouTube video in Bayo and man, you should watch that because that's a, that's a really fun place. Um, and like people are, it's super cultured and people are like, we, I was there on a Saturday and everyone's like dancing and in the town square. And so it's, it's like its own little town kind of, um, but also in Puerto Vallarta, like if you, I lived there for two months and going out to the first few weeks I was there, going out to the like tourist kind of places, like clubs, there's like two clubs right on the uh, boardwalk right there. And man, those are like the worst. If you go there and you go to those, your, your experience is going to be 10 times worse than if you go to like, there's these other places. Um, if you go down down into the marina a bit more i think it's called that are just like 10 times better but it's not for made for gringos and so wherever you go finding spots that aren't necessarily the typical gringo spots that are like the touristy spots even if it's not for gringos but just for tourists is something that i would you, highly you know suggest what I'm kind of no noticing now is like you're you're like well on your way to being like a ladam expert you know what i mean yeah. like 
you know how to do it now. You know how to avoid the <laughs> spots. You know how to make friends yeah. with people. You know how to think about good right. logistics and where you want to stay. And you're yeah. only 21. Yeah, man. I think logistics, logistics ahead of time is such an important thing. And that's why, like, for example, what I said earlier is like one of my things I do now before I go anywhere and I don't, and I'm never like someone who's like, I need to plan this day exactly. But having just lists of like, before I go somewhere, like, Hey, here's like 20 cool places or things I want to do. Um, so that when I get there, like if I'm bored, I do that. Um, having an apartment in the right place is such an important thing. Like, um, you know, if you have an apartment, like when I first moved to Playa, man, I was living like you want to live in Playa on between like first and 38th or first and first and 48th. But I was living in like 120th Street like, way up north. And it was absolutely awful. Like, I mean, like it took me an hour just to walk to where my gym was every single day because I was so deep. And so like the logistics as far as where you live is I mean, I would live like I think we talked about this before once but like i would rather live in like a less quality place but in a good good like type of um area, area that i want to live than live in the super nice place in the worst area like and that's what yes, literally exactly happened in the playa. and this is a huge pitfall that happens to people because they go on airbnb and they get captivated by the photos right but they should actually be focusing on the map more than the photos right yeah and i mean the biggest thing like that's been one of the best parts of having a community of people that have been all around is saying like, Hey, what's the kind of area that I should live in when I go to this place? For example, in Lima and Miraflores um, is, you know, I absolutely love uh, Lima, Peru. Like it's, it's, it's an amazing place. And if I, but if I wouldn't have lived in Miraflores or there's another place called Barranco, um, if I wouldn't have lived there, my experience would have been a completely different kind of thing. But where I lived, I mean, I was in the, able to walk everywhere, I had bars, I had gyms, I had restaurants, I had, you know, spas, I had everything, yoga, anything right near me. And so, you know, surfing too, um, everything right near me. And that completely made my experience amazing versus, for example, the first month I was living in Playa, I was like, I was still very like, I don't know if this is for me because of where I was living. Um, because I, it was just a hassle in, in Playa. The other thing was at the time was there was no like Uber. So it was like every single day trying to deal with taxi drivers scamming me or something. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just like the logistics aspect of it is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. What do you do? What, what do you think the future holds for you? Because you, could, you yeah. could conceivably do this for a decade and – Right. Uh, oh, my God. But like, yeah, what, what do you think the future holds for you? Yeah. So for me, um, what I kind of have prefaced this whole thing with was like, I want to live the most amazing life experience. And when I quit baseball and I and I and I kind of had that ego death moment, I realized I had no clue what I actually love to do with my life, you know, like, because I've just done the same things over and over again. I think a lot of people are caught up in that is where it's like, they go through their life, and they do the same exact stuff. They live in the same exact place, just because that's what they've always done. They don't really actually think about like, hey, is this really, you know, they're just locked into a certain life and they, and they live that way. And that's, and that's that. And they, and they just don't even think about it. Right. They're not willing to step back and take, take an objective point of view with that. Um, you know, when I, the reason that I'm actually still like checking out different places in Latin America, cause just like 
when you don't know what you like to do, you need to try a lot of different things, I believe, and like try a lot of different hobbies, a lot of different actions and see, you know, what, what are some things I do enjoy? Um, I think that you should try a lot of different places. Um, and you know, so like for me, it's like, I have cities, certain cities, certain places where it's like, Hey, I want to go check out living here. I want to go check out living here. I want to go check out living here and kind of give one to two months. Obviously it's not like the greatest, um, like I, I can't get a complete picture of every single place, but I can understand more and then have more perspective. I think perspective is like the main thing as far as anything in life is like, if you have perspective on like, Hey, I like, here's one thing I like about this place. Here's one thing I like about this place, you know? So what are the things overall that I kind of like and where is the best place for that? And I, I also don't think it's necessary to live in one spot for your entire life. Like, you know, I don't think I'll ever be something where I'm living somewhere 12 months a year, or at least I hope not right now where I'm at. I'd like to be somewhere four or five months, six months, and then another place, six months. Um, and then maybe, you know, going back to the other place for six months, just kind of keeping it fresh, keeping it new, I think is, I think it's important. Hmm. What else yeah. is on your radar? Yeah. As far as places, um, so I have in Mazatlan, I'm actually here for like two more weeks, three more weeks. And then I'm going to go to Mexico City for a bit. I didn't get to explore Mexico City as much as I want, um, but going to explore that a little bit. And then before up to leading up to uh, Thanksgiving, which is like November 23rd or 24th, um, I have some spare time in there where I'm either going to stay in Mexico City or go to um, maybe go to uh What's it called? Uh, not Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, the Dominican Republic or El Salvador. Those are kind of some places that I'm looking at as they're kind of easy trips. Two, three weeks can can make sense. And then, you know, I'm going to be home for Thanksgiving through Christmas. It's kind of like a promise I have with my mom. <laughs> but then um, after that, I'm heading down to Argentina and going to Buenos Aires. And I'm going to be there for New Year's. And I haven't really figured out how it's going to look, but I know that I'm going to be going into the Patagonia Mountains, going to like Ushuaia. I think it's the Calete, um, Bariloche. Yeah, Calafate. <laughs> What's it called? Bariloche, something Bariloche. like that. Yeah, yeah. So going to be hitting all of those spots. And Argentina is a new country for me. But um, as far as like next year, there's definitely going to be a lot more um, like new countries that i'm going to be doing like i'm going to do huh. argentina i'm going to do chile I'm going to do bolivia I'm going to do brazil brazil's a big one argentina and brazil i feel like you could just stay like three years and you still wouldn't feel like you know anything about the countries right um, so basically the world's your oyster right yeah right now especially it's like there's still so many as i've been in latin america longer i've he i hear of so many different places and you know i have lists of just like places that cities that i'm like okay i need to go here and check this out for at least a month um i haven't been able to get into the place of like traveling for like two weeks or something out of time that's yeah, still not something that. i can do, do that one yeah. month minimum yeah, um, yeah, maybe, yeah maybe like the patagonia stuff's a little is an exception but in general one month minimum yeah, I think that's really important. Um, so, yeah, just kind of having that list so that I can have perspective on what I like. Like, do I really like living by the ocean or do I like living by the mountains? Um, you know, and do I like or do I like just living like in a landlocked place just that's flat ground or something? Um, I think that figuring that out for yourself and um, yeah, that's that's what I think is really important for some for anyone to do.
Wow. Full location independence. Yeah, man. Yeah. And at the same time, trying to scale the business and do, and do other things with it. And, you know, finding out like, you know, once you're, once you're in a place that you're comfortable financially, um, how do you get uncomfortable? You know, how do you keep growing and keep, keep like, you know, what is the reason that you keep growing? Cause one thing I think that, you know, is actually a reason why someone wouldn't come to Latin America is, um, if you can't be motivated unless you have some surroundings that, um, are completely motivating you like people, then it's probably not a good place for you as far as like going to cities that are not, um, digital nomad hubs or not like Miami or something, because, um, if you're here, you're going to be around like in Mazelan, it's a very relaxed, slow kind of lifestyle. You know, people aren't like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not super intense, right? There's not, you're not going to be networking with, I don't, I don't think so. Do you think it's possible to live in Mazelan and avoid all the degen stuff? Well, Oh, definitely. Yeah, dude. I mean, I have uh, even my buddy that I was just here. I mean, he he never has he never drank. He never went out once. Um, it's completely possible. And you can completely like live a focused work lifestyle. But what, what I'm meaning with that is it's not intense as far as like you're not around other dudes every single day that are making whatever hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Right. And so the place that I find Latin America isn't like good for someone is if they need to be around that in order for themselves to keep pushing. Like for me, it's been a complete learning experience of like, um, rather than just pushing for the sake of pushing, and this is what I really wanted is I didn't want to just work and make more money and make more money just for the sake of making more money. It's like now that I have a comfortable life, like I I, I can live a comfortable lifestyle. I can buy anything, you know, buy things that I want here um, and do what I want to here. What's the reason on a more internal level? And it, you know, what's the purpose for me to work harder at the business um, outside of just money? Because when you're in Latin America, like we said, it's way cheaper. You know, it's it's a whole different like you're not you don't have to spend 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month to live in really cool lifestyle like you would in like New York City or Miami or something like that. Um, you can spend way less and live really well. So you have to find your purpose, I think, a lot on a lot uh, higher level. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So no, uh, Chica Sinaloense is, uh, stolen your heart or <laughs> holding you back. Dude, you know, that's, that's actually been another thing, um, that I've had to, that I've had to like, um, had to learn a lot about. And it's been a really good thing to learn a lot about is like relationships when you are, not sure where you're going to be in three months. It's really, you know, it changes how you do relationships in general. And so, um, for me, uh, right now, obviously like I, there's, there's girls that I like and there's, you know, I'm, I, I hang out with specific girls a lot of the times, but, um, I think that I feel this sense of, um, especially at my age that, I know what I want and what I don't want. And, and at this point in my life, like I'm not interested in having some getting married, settling down just yet. And um, cause I feel like a lot of young guys, they just kind of go in that experience where they, you know, they go to high school, they go to college, they get married, they have a job. And that's kind of, you know, that's all she wrote. <laughs> and that's not, that's not bad per se, but I feel like for me, I have some, and I don't know if, a lot of people feel this, you got but time. <laughs> yeah, I, I have time, but I also feel like I have some insane mission that's going to come to me 
really soon in my life. Like I feel purposeful right now, but I feel like there's some insane mission that I have. Like um, I know that we both follow this guy that's biking across Africa right now. And so I oh, feel you saw like that on Instagram, dude, I, it's funny like because some I, random guy. Yeah. yeah, dude, I, I had liked that post and then it, I was on my reels and I noticed you had commented and it was like 20 minutes after I liked it. I was like, yo, what the heck? And so um, basically, like I see something like that and I'm like, man, I know that something like that is going to come to me. And I feel like if I am at least right now, if I'm in some super deep relationship and I feel like a lot of people, they miss out on their whatever their really deep purposeful mission might be because of you know something else so like and and it might be a fear based in just um like uh something internal but for me i feel a fear of having a really kind of having that relationship where it's going to be a marriage and going to be kids and i fear that i'm going to miss something that's really big in my life and miss the acceptance of an opportunity that i would take if I was you know, yeah. solo, dude, you're 21. You have so much time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. like, cause a lot of the digital nomads, they get into it later, like 28, 30, 33, and then they're yeah. 35 and they still don't have kids. But, um, yeah. you know, you, you got, you got tons of time. You got tons of time. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big thing for young guys too. And in, in general, like me, um, obviously I'm not some great authority on anything, but a lot of a lot of the guys that come down to Latin America just to live like straight away, they're you know maybe they're divorced. Um, a lot of I feel like that's the case a lot of the time. But for a younger guy, it's like you know why would you choose here specifically? Why would you choose to come to Latin America? And I think that if you're someone that's really interested in um, just doing that alternative lifestyle and you're in your you have a lot of energy, then I mean, this is a great place to come to spend it. And, you know, the experience of like when you're taking advice as a young guy on Latin America, just be very careful about who you take your advice from, because what mm. someone wants versus what another guy wants, what, what the 35 or 40 year old divorced guy wants versus what you want when he's giving you advice, it's way different from what you need. Um, and I've fallen in that trap where it's like, you know, and especially with my values of like what I enjoy and what I like. You know, um, you got to be taking advice from the right people and also like have the right sources of, you know, what's interesting to you, what you like. Um, so that's that's important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you what do you think's holding people back from uh, kind of replicating what you've accomplished so far? So as far as business goes or as far as do you mean more as far as like. Yeah, taking the plunge. And, obviously, obviously, yeah. you have to make money online somehow, and right. you know, take the plunge and mentally commit. Yeah, I think. Hey, everybody! Hey, everybody! Quick break from the podcast to tell you about Language Blend, the best new way to learn Spanish. Language Blend was co-founded by Jake Nomada, friend of the podcast decade of experience in Latin America, and Jake and his team, they put everything into this program that they wish they had in terms of how to level up quickly with your Spanish language skills. Because the faster that you can get conversationally fluent in Spanish, the better the experience that you're going to have in Latin America. So go to languageblend.com for more information. I think that 
a lot of people, um, it's, and you know, I've even seen this with me. It's like, it's, it's better for a lot of people not to have to go and risk and live the lifestyle where they're not really sure, um, what's gonna, what's, where they're going to be at in a year. Um, and it's just kind of maybe biological or maybe just something with that where, you know, people want security. And, you know, if you're someone that is just you, being comfortable is OK. Like if, if 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 someone is happy and sometimes I wish and like envy to be someone where I can just like go and work the job. And then when I'm finished with my job, just be finished with it, not look at it anymore. And then, you know, be in the same location and you know, do the same things every single day and then watch, turn on the TV and then I'm done for the day. Right. I kind of envy that sometimes because if someone is happy like that, that's, that's, you know, that's good for them. And they're not meant to go and like try to live in Latin America and try to like be super, you know, uh, try to build a business where they're not really sure how, you know, what's going on and they're not sure, um, you know, what they're doing. So I think that it's not even necessarily holding back. If someone is trying Obviously, things holding people back are just like um, it's just action, taking action. But if someone's not trying to do it, I don't think it's for everyone. I think that's that's a really big thing. Is um, why, why is it know. not for everyone though? Like, shouldn't everyone yeah. live outside their country for a little bit yeah. of time just to get that outside looking in perspective and just like live different experiences? I think. In an ideal in an ideal world, obviously, like everyone having a large perspective is a great thing, and and you know, being able to see different cultures, experience different cultures, but I I think that you know, it's well maybe it's a good thing. I don't think it. I just don't think everyone's meant for it, right? I I don't know how to I don't know how to phrase it exactly how I want to phrase it. Right. But I, I just think that, you know, like someone is who's just going to go to, you know, someone can go to Mexico to Playa del Carmen or to Mazatlan and just sit in their apartment all day. And I've seen this. I've seen a guy do this where he just pretty much sits in his apartment all day and then just like does nothing else, goes to the club on the weekend and he never learn a sent, sentence of Spanish or something like that. And it's like, well, just because you go live somewhere, doesn't really mean that you're engaging your a new perspective, right? And so someone has to be ready in order to adopt a new perspective, they have to be ready to adopt that perspective. And, um, you know, I think every time at some point in everyone's life, maybe they do have that. But, you know, um, not everyone kind of acts on that of that ex- exploration curiosity, right? And I mean, for anyone to be successful, I think that the um, one of the first things of it is just having a really deep curiosity. And so for me, it was like, I was curious about this alternative lifestyle of, you know, having a business. And then I was also with that curiosity. I'm also curious about like living in an alternative lifestyle about where I'm living. And so I couldn't manufacture that curiosity. Um, and I don't know how someone could, um, mm. but it, 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 it was in me. And so I used that curiosity. And then when I'm here, I'm curious about, Hey, you know, what's, what's, um, you know, what's this place like that not that many people go or what's this place like? So I think a lot of it's just bakes out to having a curiosity and actually acting on it. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I'm just sense. lucky. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, and you know, what's crazy is I guess at 21 where did a lot of your buddies 
just graduate this past May, June, or are they graduating next May, June? Yeah, they're all graduating next May, June, actually, um, for the most part, like everyone that I went to high school with, at least. Um, so it's it's definitely it's definitely funny, like when I go home now and and just relationships in general, like I still have I still have a few really deep friends. But, you know, I think. I one of the best skills I've learned in Latin America is making friends with all different types of people and being able to make friends outside of just who's in my fraternity, who's in my job, who's in my college. That's one of the best skills I've learned because, you know, um, most people, their their wife, their girlfriend, their buddies are all just people that they became friends with out of their being close proximity and environment. And so, um, you know, it's, it's weird now because when I go home, I have this skill of and not even necessarily skill, just, just this way of like, I can make friends with new people. And so, um, it's like, I'm not in a, I don't think anyone's, I'm not in a better position than anyone else. Um, I think everyone's in, you know, if someone's happy with where their life is, that's great for them and they should be happy there. But with my buddy, my friends that I went to high school with, things like that, we're just in very different kind of circumstances now where there, there is some disconnect with a lot of the people that I used to be like, buddies with every single weekend have you had any funny situations when you go back for thanksgiving or christmas or whatever it is and you hang (laughs) out with the same guys and uh like maybe a specific situation this is something that happens to every digital nomad yeah yeah i think um you know one thing that's funny is like when i first got started growing an online business in general um a lot of your friends like they think I am they thought I was like a scammer (laughs) just because like they're like okay like how are you doing this um and so I think that that's something that definitely I dealt with is like one of my buddies like oh like how's the scamming going I'm like well that's that's not really what's going on and so (laughs) no condescending my god (laughs) right yeah well also like when you go home um if you're building like some type of online business it seems like a lot of time your family would be like oh how's that How's your, and maybe your aunt or uncle is like, how's your little business going? Right. Or something like that. And the little, um, the little, yeah, you know, how's your little, how's your little internet thing going, you know? (laughs) And, um, you know, once you become very like, I don't want to say secure, but once you become like confident in yourself and in your situation, those remarks just go. So like, you just like kind of like laugh them off, but at first they kind of can mess with you. And so I think over time becoming more confident in, what I have and the value that we drive for people as definitely like when someone says, I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't even feel the need to tell you that I made your yearly salary last month, but <laughs> like, like it's, I'm just confident in that. I, I, you know, what I have and what we do and also, you know, where I live, it's like, Oh, isn't that so dangerous? And it's like, no, actually, you know, I feel safer here than I do. I feel safer there than I do here. A lot of times when I'm walking alone at night or something, um, and so it's just, it's just very outside of that. I would say that one kind of specific odd situation now is when you do go home, um, when people kind of ask you like just maybe old friends, they're, they're very, a lot more like, there's just the disconnect of you're just living, living so different. You're living in such a different place, living such a different, uh, lifestyle that it's like making 
conversation like you would used to like hey how's the sports team doing or something is is very weird um kind of kind of situation because it's just like you know but you learn the skill you learn the gift yeah. of the gab yeah definitely definitely but i think that with that comes like people that you have a prior relationship with that you're really kind of deep relationship that you've with changed the and they can kind of tell that you've changed or they treat right. you they treat you yeah. like you're the, the person you used to be Right. That's one thing that I really actually, that's one of my least favorite parts about going home is, um, you know, the best part about going, moving anywhere outside of your hometown is that you can recreate yourself. Um, and, and I absolutely love that. It's like, you can, if you don't know anyone in a certain town, like you could go next month to Mazalon and decide you're like a pump rock hipster or something, even after being like some corporate dude and no one would like say anything. Right. But if you do that around people that already have a prior conception of you, they're going to be like, what the heck is going on? And they're still going to treat you like your old self. So like when I go home, you know, I like if, if you're not confident in yourself, you fall back into like these old prior conceptions that people have of you. Right. It's like when you go back home to your parents or something, maybe you fall back into this childlike kind of state. And so, overcoming that um and with friends it's like overcoming the prior conceptions they have of you is definitely a hard disconnect there and also of what you have of them right because you have prior conceptions of other people and um right you know it works both ways yeah it works both ways for sure i mean like i i I just i I think that it's really important to know it's like i I really hate the idea of like oh i'm living better than you i'm living a better lifestyle than you or i'm living cooler than you and i i hate anyone like i don't like when people do that yeah it's not a good frame it's it's better to just be like yeah it's different you know both are cool yeah yeah and i mean just sharing what you do and sharing your experience and and you know being being open and and i think that you can kind of tell when you're talking to someone who the people that are actually interested in it are like, you can tell, like I have some friends where I know that they're just like, they really want to do this. And I'm like, man, like, you know, you can, you just have to like, accept that, you know, you can just buy a fl- plane ticket. Like when someone's asking me like all these questions about traveling, they're like, Hey, what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do this? I'm like, Hey man, the first step is just bu- buying a plane ticket, like buy a one-way ticket somewhere and then figure it out because you know, you're going to go just with business, like with business, you're going to overanalyze so much. You just need to take that first action um, and go down and do it, um, you know, with anything. It's like, just take the action. Has anyone made a genuine effort and been like, you know what? Fuck Ohio State. I, I really, I really want to do this. I want to live this life. I want to tear it up in Peru and go surfing every day. Right. Dude, I wish. I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, uh, like you realize how much of a sub niche making money online is still um, (laughs) once you kind of are around people that don't. And so people, you know, I've had friends that have come down and visited me. And a lot of my friends, I've also made a lot of friends that are already, you know, like maybe making money online since then. Like Twitter has been one of the craziest things that I've ever had access to. I mean, I've met tons of people from there, but that's how we met um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I've met a lot of really close friends now, but as far as people from back from Ohio, I mean, it's a matter of, um, there, you know, it's hard for someone to make such a massive shift in their lifestyle. And unless, you know, they really have it in them and, um, 
when you're in college, especially, it's not something where it's like you can just decide to make money online, then you're making money online, right? It's like you have to have some idea. My, I have been able to get my brother to uh, – my brother has been able to come down a few times and, like, he's going to Playa for a little bit over time because he works remotely. Is he older or younger? He's older. He's 26. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean – <laughs> somewhat but i think that also he's he just is a part of a different kind of style and it's like that's where that's where i really learned that perspective of like hey you know this isn't for everyone necessarily all the time it's like if someone if someone is happy in their lifestyle then you know what's there to change it's like if they're happy if someone's happy living in you know alabama then just let them live in alabama and that's that's good for them right you, but you know what though I'm, I'm honestly a little bit more militant about it where where i really think Location yeah. independence is yeah. is is really a necessity, yeah. and I think it's really mandatory to have at least online income streams. If you want to keep living in Ohio because yeah. you know you like being around your childhood friends and this and that, that's right. cool. But you should have the option to move if you want to. You should be able. Right. Ohio is snow too. It's not fun in the winter. Like you should have yeah. that option to be able to spend maybe January to March in, in right. Mazatlan or, or, or somewhere abroad, you know, in those kind of depressing months at very least, right. or, or at least just like, let's just say like some crazy stuff happened or you lost your job. At least you have like a little online yeah. money coming in. Um, I, yeah. I, I really think it, it, it is becoming a necessity. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think that having freedom is like for me at least and freedom, freedom is a necessity. Freedom is a necessity if, you know, and I would think the reason I like say all of this kind of stuff about like, you know, not everyone needs to live that is because I don't want to impose a lifestyle on anyone. When I look at what I'm like, when mm. I see what a logical person would want, I'm like, yeah, of course, like, why wouldn't they want freedom? And I, and I don't really understand why people would want to not have freedom to be able to do that. But um I agree with you there for sure that people should want freedom, right? In all right. logical situations. Right. right. But sometimes people have, you know, consumed so much information and are just in such a place where that they, they don't have really control over their lifestyle or they're you know, they don't they're not willing to take control over their life. Like that, yeah, dude, if, yeah. if Ben's brother's listening to this, man, I'm sure he is. I hope he does <laughs> to, to support his bro. Dude, make some money online, bro. Because yeah. I, I have brothers too, right? And um, I just wish we, we had that ability to um, to yeah. basically like squat up together. And actually, right. you met my brother, one of my brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm doxing too much. but uh, And <laughs> like, you know, just to be able to like, you know, have like a, a winter mansion somewhere. And then we can come go down to the winter mansion. We can go back home. and uh, right. to, You know what I mean? And kind of have that – both have that flexibility because it's weird – when only one brother has the flexibility and then one brother's stuck. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, like it's, it's still hard for everyone to find what their kind of value is of what they're going like to put online. Like what's the value that you can give out to people. And so I think that, you know, um, one thing, one thing, I, one thing I would mention is if, if you're like someone who doesn't have anything online yet, it's very, I, I don't know if I would, I, I know I see people suggest like, hey, go to save up a few thousand bucks, then go to Columbia and just build something online. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's putting yourself into a situation right there. But, you know, maybe it's good, but I would suggest like, hey, 
build something a little bit more online first, maybe even just get a job online, right? And like figure what that out could look mm-hmm. like is, mm-hmm. um, and then move down. I'm, I'm more of one from that. Um, because if you really want to move down, then, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to figure it out. Yeah, we call it monkey branching. And so yeah. it's like, in, there's, there's two approaches. There's like the burn the boats approach. And then yeah. there's the monkey branching approach. And what monkey branching is, is like picture Tarzan in the jungle and you don't let go of the previous branch until you have a firm grasp on the next right. branch in front of you. Right. right. And Definitely. there's no reason like people in America have so much free time. Like there's no mm-hmm. reason on evenings and weekends. If you put, let's just say 10 hours of focused effort into something every week, there's no reason you wouldn't be in a really good spot even three months from now because three three yeah. months three months is 12 weeks 10 hours a week that's over well over 100 hours like there's no reason you couldn't be in a, a pretty good monkey branch spot with over 100 right. hours over like a decent reasonable time frame yeah i think that a lot of people the reason they don't want that freedom or don't really have that goal of like pushing for that is is probably because, and I saw a tweet on this recently, it's like their dopamine system is messed up or they're um, super inflamed or something like that. And they're just consumers of like, hey, they work and then they go and they consume stuff. They consume videos, they consume TV, they consume sports, they consume stuff, um, they consume alcohol, they consume nicotine, whatever. Um, And I'm not hating on all of those. But what I'm saying is your mind um, takes a lot of a different kind of approach to what you want when, you know, you know, genuine accomplishment is, is like, you actually want that for yourself again. Because the problem is when you're constantly overloading yourself with consumption, then the things that you actually want, like freedom, don't become nearly as important because your kind of base needs and your like dopamine, whatever the word is, are already met. And so Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, for a young guy like myself, um, in order to have that success, one of the big parts for me was like, not letting myself live a comfortable lifestyle like other people where I'm letting myself drink every weekend and go out all the time and eat crap food and, you know, watch YouTube and watch movies all the time. I had to really like shift that because when I let myself do all of that, then I don't really see a read. Like I'm just, my lizard brains, like, why would we do anything else? Like, why would we go? Why would we be ambitious? Why would we want freedom? We already have just everything we need. We have the food right here. We have the, you know, we have the sleep, we have the bed, we have the the roof over our head. So um, you have to be very like, for me, at least, I had to be very militant about limiting, you know, what's what's coming in and not stop Mm -hmm. being such a consumer. Yeah, you got to want it. You got to want it. And hopefully podcasts like this, you know, people are are listening and hopefully it's helping to inspire people and honestly i think people are really gonna enjoy this episode ben i yeah. think um i think people are gonna say like wow this is one of the, the best episodes i've heard recently because we haven't had too many like younger guys i'm trying to think who else is like in their early 20s like you so it's it's yeah. really good to get that perspective definitely man Definitely. Yeah. And I really enjoy being on and talking and chatting with you. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon in person. Um, 2024, man. Yeah, man, I'll be around. I'll be, I'll be in Mexico for the most part. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we do that. uh, Antarctica late 2024. Come on. Oh shit. Antarctica. That'd be cool. Or even dude, let me know what you're saying for uh, Dia Los Muertos this year. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be back up in Mexico at some point. And um, you know, there's going to be a ton of adventures and hopefully, you know, um, 
that's actually the only thing I would say is like, I, I am going to be posting a lot on YouTube of like different adventures in different places. So that could be something cool to follow in potentially, I don't know, um, of like every kind of place I'll go, I'll be probably in like, you know, six, seven different countries in the coming year. So, you know, there could be some cool stuff on there maybe. Good, good. We'll definitely be linking your YouTube channel in the show notes and, uh, I'll make a, I'll make a soft 80% commitment to, 2024 Antarctica right now. I'm pretty down. I just really, I just need a squad. Like I'll do it anytime. Basically I just need a squad. So I'm pretty down. Dude. Yeah. I think November is the time to go. So, um, you know, I would be in on it for sure. I know it's, I know it's pricey, but I mean, November, 2024. I mean, you gotta do it once. You gotta do it once. Yeah. Dude. I mean, yeah, you exactly. You can't, you can't, these are the once in a lifetime experiences. You know, how many people go to Antarctica and it's like, if you're interested in going to Antarctica, this is uh, like kind of just like not to keep going with it, but if you're interested in going to Antarctica, it's like you can go to Antarctica. Like people don't even think about the fact that they could go to Antarctica if they wanted to. So, like, you know, just just go, you know, if you have them, if you make the money, you can go. And so, um, yeah, you know, in my ma- in my definitely. mind, the big three, the, the South America big three are yeah. Antarctica, yeah. Easter Island and Galapagos. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me also, I would I would put Venezuela in there, just like actually exploring the country. I, I, I was thinking uh, Roraima, uh, yeah. Roraima Mountain on the border of Venezuela, yeah. Brazil. That's just hard to get yeah. to, but but yeah. but the other ones they're like kind of like. Th- but the thing about Galapagos, Easter Island, and and Antarctica is they're both kind of like they're they're islands, right? Or they're like over the right. water, so it's not just like obviously there's like unlimited sick things on the yeah. continental landmass, but these other trips are like, you really need a concerted effort and they're not cheap and, um, you need a squad, yeah. I feel, but I'm down, I'm down, I'm down for all of it, bro. I'm down. Definitely. No, dude, for sure. I mean, it's, you gotta be intentional about those kind of things for sure. So, I mean, let's do it. November, 2024, or are you going this, yeah. you're not going this November. No, dude. Heck no. Heck, <laughs> I was actually thinking about it earlier this year, but you know, I'm still like, in a place with work where, you know, it's, it's like there, there is that monkey branch of, um, with the business, I'm still involved a lot day to day. So I do have to work and like going on a 15 week trip of Antarctica where I, you know, I can't 15 day, 15 day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's two weeks. I can take two weeks weeks off. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just like, uh, that's kind of the one of the things that I'm looking towards where it's like, okay, with the business, the next step is make it so that I can exit, you know, this company or put in charge a CEO full time and kind of like work on something new that is really even more out of passion and be able to do that two week Antarctica trip. So that's then maybe really even by the- next year, the, uh, the Starlink will be advanced enough. It might even work. Right. That'd well, be cool. dude, I would say like on something like that though, it's like, do you want to work while you're on that? There's some things where it's weird when you work online where it's like you never stop working, but there's some trips where it's like, Hey, I'm I mean, not going to I feel like there's a lot of weeks. downtime. I've, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like maybe if you, maybe if you're like in other situations, but I feel like in, uh, in Arctica, there might be a lot of downtime. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. Like vacations end once you start working online fully, if you have like your own business online, it's like, there's not really much, you can be on, technically a vacation kind of spot for forever but are you ever really on vacation i'm not at least i'm always like even kind of could have my phone on and work at any time 
Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Jers dude on Twitter had a, a line. It was like, "I'm on permanent vacation, but I'll never retire." Right. Which I, yeah. Which I like. Which I like. Yeah. Definitely. Cool, man. Um, well, let's take this time for you to do a little call to action for the audience. Let them know about YouTube. Yeah. Maybe elevate the marketing agency and uh, wherever you want to direct people's attention. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is just Real Ben Moore. Um, and you know, I keep the videos very organic and like not edited at all. So sometimes they can be a bit droney and boring, but, um, you know, I just try to show my raw experience of what's going on. Um, and you know, it's more, it's more for like anyone that's interested in that. And also just for myself to document like cool things that I've done. Like I have ones where I flew in a, you know, like a motorized vehicle above Lima, Peru. I have one where I flew over Colombia. I, you know, saw donkeys in, uh, Colombia, you know, there's, things a lot of different things on their jet skiing in mexico so i uh, check that out and then elevate um you know it's it don't it's only it's a good offer if you're someone who is uh what we call like a value-based creator so we work with a lot of doctors and a lot of like psychologists authors ceos that kind of thing and you know if you have um if you want to be growing on socials in some type of way and building a large influence for yourself but you don't want to have to spend hours and hours a month on it. We kind of limit it to, you know, just one call a month. And that's all you're going to ever have to do for social media. Again, we help you create all the content there. And then we take care of everything else on social media and have helped drive, you know, north of a billion views at this point um, for people. So across all the different platforms. So you can check that out um, in my Twitter, which is also just real Ben Moore. And then I think there's an X at the end. But other than that, um, I would say, you know, feel free to DM me or also you can DM my Latin life or follow my Latin life's content. If you're interested in, uh, you know, actually making this transition. Oh, why? Thank you. You shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love that. Ben really didn't come on here to promote his stuff. He just came on to just chill, catch up and, and, uh, inspire yeah. people with the story, which I very much appreciate. I'll link your Twitter yes, and, and that'll probably be the best way for guys to, to DM you there. So thanks for doing this again, Ben. Really fun to catch up and looking forward to hanging out with you in person soon. See you, man. Thank you. Talk soon. This has been another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Again, my guest today, Ben Moore. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening.